Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Long Box Podcast, presented by Plus Waco Comics and Rogue Media Network. We're weekly. It's not an info dump. We're good. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> I can be cracked. I can be made. I can be told. I can be played. What am I? Dr. Seuss? You can get, you can get played. Is it Dustin Weed? <laughs> it's a joke. I'm a joke. The Riddler. Yeah. Hey, that fits with today's episode. Yeah, it is. Uh, so uh, the full topic for today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the best Batman, or sorry, maybe not one of the best, but one of the uh, most controversial, maybe, Batman stories that have come out in the early 2000s. We're talking about Batman Hush. Uh, Batman Hush was from uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee and ran for 12 issues from October 2002 to September 2003. Uh, so the bulk of our episode is going to be all about that. So, But before we get into that, uh, we're going to get into some news. Uh, what do you guys got? No, do you do the do whole the thing? Because I mean, this is going to take yeah, up. It's going to take up the time. This got is it. a good piece of. So we, uh, Armando and I, just got back from the Texas Latino Comic Con. Uh, we were invited out there, and it was a really cool event in Dallas, uh, and it was hosted at the uh, like the Hispanic Cultural Center. No, the Latino Cultural yeah, Latino Cultural Center. Center, and it was, a, it was a really cool small event, really centered towards uh, creators. Everybody at the booth uh, was uh, a Latin creator. Was a Latin creator. Mm-hmm. They had uh, either a book, a board game, some kind of uh, some kind of creation that they were putting that came out of them to put yeah. forward. It was really really awesome, and. Uh, from there, we met a lot of cool people. Uh, we got a lot of cool books. Uh, we met one of the Milestone Initiates. Uh, so it's two downs. We, we met uh, Greg Burnham out in Brooklyn. And yeah. uh, Armando and I met, uh, well, let me see. It was Javier, uh, right? Javier Luan. 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 I'm so sorry. Yeah. I said Luan. Luan. Yeah, I don't know. Damn, Luan, Luan. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, but they were really cool, man. Uh, we, uh, we, got, we won a grant. Which was the first bit of like award yeah, money we won dude. is Plus Waco Comics, which is really cool. So he did yeah. his thing on the submission. It was really tight, man. Um, we uh, got a handful of books we could talk about real quick before we get into the, the bulk of the episode. Um, Hector Rodriguez is the man behind El Peso Hero, and he mm-hmm. was one of the main uh, forces behind organizing the Texas Latino Comic Con. Uh, and so here we have one of the books he has is uh, El Peso Hero. Uh, I did, I'm not too familiar with the with the character, but I do know that he's done a couple of benefits uh, with this character. Uh, I know the last one he did was for the Ukraine whenever uh, they were going through their crisis. Well, whenever when? that crisis started. Like, 
Oh, when, when it, it started. started. Okay, I was about to go. <laughs> it's not over yet, Joey. It's <laughs> no, not over. Uh, this other one that we got was from uh, Jose Esquivel, and it's one of my favorite out of the bit uh, out of the See, bunch. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder <laughs> why it's your favorite, Joey. Because it's stylized like a mara manga. It's like a Western manga. Uh, it's about a Shaolin monk that uh, gets Is into it the Shao world. Lucha? Of, yeah. Okay, I saw the title yeah. of that. Yeah. Kind of intrigued by really Shao cool. Lucha. A Shaolin monk uh, becomes a luchador, and that, it's, uh, that dude had like a very simple booth, but it was like really good. Like he had some good work. His comic, I like the the art in the comic and stuff. He deserved more traffic. He did deserve. More uh, there were people just kind of walking by. Joey yeah. was getting him to take all of his pictures. I was. And not. He was like, "Hey, man, take this picture of me." <laughs> But nah, man, this is really tight. Uh, the next one we have over here is called Koi Wolf. Yeah, this one was uh, kind of trippy. What see, is this? These are these are two creators. Uh, so they said this one was like a um, spaghetti western uh, that kind of throws mm. in a lot of uh, uh, fantasy elements with coyote spirits. Mm. Um, and so this girl, she has this coyote spirit inside of her, and she's developing these abilities associated with this coyote spirit as we go along. So oh. I picked up the first two issues. Uh, art's pretty cool. Uh, the story is really tight, and I'm all for a female protagonist. Uh, the next one I got was from uh, his Javier name again, Lujan. Javier Lujan, mm-hmm. uh, the Milestone Initiate, and this one is called Twin Blade, or the Twin Blades. I'm sorry. Uh, the way he marketed this towards me was hilarious. He said, yeah, "This is just Mexicans with big swords," and I was in. Joey was so, in. So these guys, uh, this brother and sister, they have these two. Uh, I forget the name of these swords. The Met- Met- Metalquan. Met- wow, that's terrible. The the swords that Aztecs had used where they made the, the wooden uh, shafts and they had like the, the obsidian stones oh, kind of yeah, etched yeah. into them. Yeah. Uh, I'll look that up in a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, but they kind of go in and they fight this cyborg and it's uh, a one shot. So one and done. Um, and this is one of the books that he submitted into the uh, as his, uh, as his uh, previous work for the Milestone Initiative. Um, but he was a pretty cool guy, man. There's a lot of cool stuff that happened there. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways that we have to shout out is uh, Professor Latinx himself. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, that guy is a, uh, is a teacher, is a professor at the University of Texas in, uh, in Austin, and he teaches comic books. Like, he pushes comic books in the classroom. And so he, uh, I think he said that he's going to take our book and put it in his library. Yeah, that's what the, he said. He was like, we're going to take it and we're going to, uh, you know, use it. I'm going to use it to teach stuff so that's pretty neat yeah man yeah. so it was, it was a really cool experience the, the texas latino comic-con out in dallas uh 2023 make sure you guys go going it was a really cool event nice yeah that was what i had for for our bit of news i missed because i don't want to get sick that's right i didn't want to risk because and it, it's not he's a bubble boy it's not covid it's no Conventions in general. Yeah, dude. Conventions are bad. They are swarming with germs. Yes. Like, you're young. You can handle it. When I was younger, Mm -hmm. yeah, I could go to a convention, you know, three, four days, whatever, boom, be fine. But when you get older, your immune system does start to falter a little. And, man, you see writers and and artists and everything. You see them, like, complain on Facebook or Twitter after a convention. Every single one of them, oh, man, I got sick. I feel terrible. I'm so drained. I'm just Mm -hmm. out of it. I so I was like, I did not want to risk and, it. But now it's like it's become more common that that writers are, and like artists are starting to put their health more yeah. as yeah. a priority because like these comments, like a lot of people canceled from New York. They were just like, sorry, it's just like I thought I could do it. But and like Danny says, it's not that they're like scared of COVID or anything. It's like they can't afford to get sick every week or every two right. weeks or because I mean, you know, they make a living at their table, at their desk yeah. and, you know, trying to trying to trying to score one last commission over this work with a company mm-hmm. with a publisher. Yeah. 
you know, what's going to pay the bills more, the published published work or or this one commission? Exactly. You know, so I mean, but that being said, was able to work on our next book. Hey, yeah, more, so. we saw some of that. It was pretty cool. Now I'm getting hyped for it, man. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. It was uh, one of the the really fun parts of going to cons, uh, especially a con where it's geared towards uh, Hispanic cultures, is that they're there for you. Right. And whenever they see your work, they're wanting to give all of their attention to you. And it's really tough because we've been in cons before where you know people have. We've been surrounded by print artists and nothing against them, but, you know, we have a book that we put in all our heart and soul into creating and people just kind of glance at our, our book and kind of flip through, eh, cool. And then just, oh, look, a $5 Pokemon print with a ninja guy. Let's yeah. let's get the shout out to that dude because he was making bank. Wow. But still. Joey's still salty over there. I'm always, we talked about this. I hold grudges, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not good, but I'm going to go see a therapist for it. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, well, anyway, uh, we were able to talk to people about our story and they were able to connect to our characters. And like, there were some times I wasn't even finished with the pitch and people were like, all right, I'm buying it. Yeah. They were very into it. That was so love That one lady, man, she loved Danny's work. It was so cool, man. Uh, There was that one girl that stopped by the uh, the young lady. Uh, I can't remember. I think Ziamara might've been her name. I could have been, I could be wrong. Um, but she stopped by our oh, booth about an hour. Inspiring writer, yeah. yeah. She was she an was inspiring cool. writer. We had about four or five people that stopped by and asked us, "Who's your publisher?" And I loved being able yeah, to say. There was one point we and Armando looked at each other like, "We are," <laughs> like you know, like who who all, who does this all for you? And we just like, us, nice. you know. And, uh, and uh, you weren't there, Danny, but I made sure I gave you your props. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys there, uh, I think it was Professor Latinx himself, was uh, talking about the uh, compensation of the book itself. Oh, I always put yes. together. Oh yes, because he like, did. He was like, he was like, this looks like that, like the the intros, the cover pages for each um, arc and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's like that was all Danny. He was like, and who designed this? Like Danny pretty much put it on paper. We all kind of had a thing, and he was yeah. like super impressed. He was like, wow, this is like almost a whole team of like, you know, like of of editors and stuff. But it's we have one yeah. one editor, you know. Oh. <laughs> Am I the Grinch? Now? But then is I was like, heart, is my heart growing like three But then I was like, but, but he's also Puerto Rican. Yeah. So. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm sure, sure it still counts. Super jelly, because I don't need a green. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, man. Do you um, have any bits of news? No, I think no, that, that was it. That, that was, was it. Good. We wanted to cover that because, man, that was that's a lot of news. We won yeah. the grant. We won, or we won a share of the grant, which that's is right. awesome. Yes. It was it, it. This wasn't their inaugural con, but was it the inaugural grant? No, or? it was both. It was their inaugural con, and it was. Their, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought they'd had this last year. No, they did not. No, this was. You know like what? Since I'm, I'm confusing. I'm confusing this with Mexico America, America. Yeah. which yes. happened in November fifth, and, and like, I will be at that one. Yeah. The reason that I didn't go to this one, I have a trip coming up to California. I want to be able to fly. So yeah, and I have a good time out yeah, there. I don't want to have to drive twenty hours to get to California for sure. So before we get into our break, I have uh, two two notes. Uh, note number one: If you're going to a con, make sure you're healthy. Make sure you're being <laughs> hygienic. If you're feeling sick, don't go. Uh, and number two: Before we go into break, I want to give a big thank you to one of our sponsors, the Lasalle Shops of Waco, for being a sponsor for today's episode. The Lasalle Shops is a locally owned and operated antiques and collectible store that houses a variety of vendors inside of one of Waco's historic former hotels. The Lasalle Shops is your one-stop shop to satisfy all of your love of all things old, odd, and interesting. See, I tried to get a lot of my alliterations in there. Yeah, and I, fucked, I fucked it up. We'll, we'll get there. 
Next time. Yeah. Cut to break. I, I like the alliteration. Cut to break. Cut to break, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to back to the Longbox Podcast. This segment is presented by DeLaNina.co over on Instagram. Thank you for being a sponsor for today's episode. DeLaNina.co is a Latina-owned and operated and creates handmade custom clay jewelry. Hecho con mucho amor. Head over to DeLaNina.co over on Instagram and visit her shop. Also, visit the shop at the Dia de los Muertos event mm-hmm. uh, next week. So, uh, In downtown this Waco. weekend. Downtown, downtown, Waco. Waco. Yeah. Yeah. downtown Waco. Downtown yeah. Waco. All right, y'all. For you guys ready Echo to- con mucho amores. Et, wow. Damn it, man. Echo, you you like butchered con, that whole thing. Echo con mucho amor. Echo con mucho amor. Muchos nachos, guys. Muchos damn nachos. It. Damn <laughs> it, man. I'll get there. Uh, but to get in today's episode, Batman Hush. Hush. Hey. I So I watched the animated film thinking that I was going to be able to like watch the film and then kind of like segue my way into mm-hmm. this episode. Dude, I watched the film and then I read those twelve issues. Mm-hmm. What the fuck were they thinking? I didn't even finish it, dude. Honestly, not because okay. it was—I just it was uninteresting to me compared to the book. Yeah. So for anybody listening, if you guys are wanting to get the full experience of the Batman Hush, read the storyline. Read the storyline. Yeah. yeah, read the the twelve the issues uh, from uh, from Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb. So you said something interesting that I, that kind of stuck with me when we introed the episode today um, that it's one of the greatest Batman stories or more controversial. controversial. And I'm thinking, no, you said greatest and then you switched to controversial. And then it got me thinking, what is a great Batman story? Like there are good ones. I don't know that I have read because like we did all-star Superman and that is like the pinnacle of Superman yeah. stories. Yes. Yeah. Is there a pinnacle of Batman Ooh. stories? Is there an all-star Superman version of Batman? It's called all-star it's, Batman, and yeah, it's that, trash. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. So you answered your own question. Is there an all-star? Yes, well, okay, Joey. A pinnacle. You're right. Is there? I don't know, man. I think what makes a really cool and interesting Batman story is you kind of go along the detective tale of it. Whenever you think you have the right answer, you don't. And then you just, you it, it's like a, the twist that hits you in the face, like the twist that happened here mm-hmm. uh, towards the end with uh, with. That character, well, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's it's a, it's a guessing game for me, and that's what I kind of enjoy. But I don't know what would be a pinnacle Batman story because I did enjoy Hush, uh, the story, mm-hmm. when I read it. Which I read it. You read it when it came out. Right? I read it when it came it, out because it was in tight. Yeah, two thousand three. Two thousand two to two thousand three. Okay. Yeah, I read it when it came out. I was Actually, like, it's probably twenty years old. October of two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Damn, yep. tight. I you know I was at the comic shop. M- Still am, but monthly I made sure that thing was in my poll because it was the first works of Jim Lee mm-hmm. over at DC Comics. You know, he had done X-Men. He had done Punisher, Alpha Flight, X-Men. Wow, I, this was his first go with DC? This was his first wow. go with DC. I didn't know that. And then he, like, left Marvel and went and uh, launched Image Comics, you know, and he's doing Wildcats and he's got uh, Death Blow and all these other characters that he's creating part of the Wildstorm universe. And then he gets done with that and he sells his portion to DC comics, essentially becoming 
like their creative director and his like everyone's wondering what is Jim Lee going to do because Jim Lee was the artist like that's the guy you everyone wanted to be at the time. Mm-hmm. He was the top artist. You could not knock him off that pedestal. There were many challengers that came at him and they all they were all just clones of him. Mm-hmm. He was the guy. Everyone followed his move. Whatever book he was on, that's the book that was going to be hot and everyone was just waiting kind of like What's it going to be? What's it going to be? And then it was announced, Batman. Like, holy shit. That was, to uh, borrow words from someone else, that was a meteor from space. Uh (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck was that? Is that an old man thing? Don't worry about it. Y'all can't see what they just did, but they just looked (laughs) at each other's eyes and giggled. Like a full grown man giggle. Because we know what that means. What is Don't that? worry about it. Don't worry about it, Joey. I'm Jesus so... fucking Christ. Yeah. Knock it off. I need so, to know. So, Danny, when it came out and it was announced that it was Batman, was there this kind of thing where it was like, is he going to do a good job? Can he draw like a dark? I think I think people were. were Because all of Jim Lee's work were like the X-Men, which was very like. Astri- very bombastic. Yeah. Very Col- out there. Yeah. And action-y and, you know. Astrial. You know, they were in space and they yeah. were colorful and. People forget that he drew Punisher. Yeah. You know, because he had drawn X-Men for so long. Mm-hmm. People forget he drew Punisher. And Punisher is a very level, street level, grounded hero type, well, anti-hero, whatever. Thanks, The Rock. <laughs> Stupid anti-heroes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in order to draw, you have to be able to draw anything. Mm-hmm. In order to be a comic book artist, um, Jim Lee knocked it out of the fucking park. He just killed it. I remember seeing that first cover. I remember flipping through that first book. Mm. I remember just like feeling the pages, the ink and everything. This book is fantastic. This book is amazing. It was really cool. It was really cool. Um, But, you know, it, it went 12 issues. I think it could have been shorter, but, but there were a lot of twists. And that's the thing. Like Jeff Loeb wrote the story Mm -hmm super long like he threw everything that he could into that story it it was like it was i guess you could say this is comparable to the all-star superman book in that he you know he threw a bunch of classic villains in there he threw a lot of batman sidekicks in there a lot of classic environments he threw some classic confrontations there's an issue where batman has to fight superman yeah you know, Superman's mind control. that And that's always like a storyline in, in the mm-hmm. DC universe. What if Superman becomes mind controlled? Who's going to stop him? Well, I think Batman might have a kryptonite ring or something. Yeah. You know, so you got to see all these classic, classic portrayals set in a modern style. And then with Jim Lee presenting it to you. And I remember seeing those images too. It was like it's the rogues gallery, but they oh, were yeah. kind of like updated. Yeah. Man, that is just like wow. They all like had that the classic look, but it was also modern, you know. So it, it's still related to me, but also it was like, I want to see where this is kind of going in this in this story or this book, you know? Because I think right before Jim Lee, they had like Jim Aparo was still drawing Batman, and Jim Aparo had a, like a Neil Adams style, mm, yeah. And they had Norm Breifogel. Oh, bro, yeah. Uh, who was like a very watered down, n- nothing against him, but he was a very watered down Sam Keith. And uh, 
What was the other guy? The, the guy, Doug Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doug Jones. Doug Jones drew the, the like, the very vampiric Batman. Oh, with the long ears? With the long ears. And, and oh, Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones. Not Doug yeah, Jones. Yeah. Kelly Jones. Kelly My Jones. Bad. Yeah, Kelly sorry, Jones. Kelly Jones. Yeah, like he had the like vampire. a 12 pack. Yeah, <laughs> he's like these big uh, shoulders. The shoulders yeah. are always weird to me. Like, he was supposed to be this very, like, brooding Batman, but also he had these, like, like these massive just bodybuilding shoulders. <laughs> It was it was weird. I mean, you, you've got Google. You can look Hell it up yeah. right now. Gotta, so, did Jim Lee do anything different with Batman compared to what came beforehand? Whether artistically, whether uh, you know, design wise, what did he do different uh, that came before? It gave him a more tactical look. I yeah, think. like he like Batman had like every like you saw hit the grooves of his boots. You like know? they were more like uh, combat style oh, yeah. boots or, or tactical boots, like Mondo said. Uh, I think there was an issue where there was like damage yeah. to his costume, and you could see like Kevlar, yeah, cool, woven into the mm-hmm. to the bodysuit and everything. His, I love the way that he would draw his cape because his cape looked very durable, but also very like silky. Yeah, like it would hug whatever it was like over, and you could see. Yeah, it looked really, it looked really cool. And I think the the character model mm-hmm. that they were going off of was a Dave Johnson model. That they had introduced maybe a year before in Detective Comics, and because I remember seeing those model sheets at San Diego, I was like, "These are these are awesome," you know. And they did, they even did uh, covers with like Dave Johnson covers where like it's just the simple the bat, because they got rid of the oval at the time too. They made the bat. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, chest. yeah. They did, yeah, yeah. So um, he was following what was, what had come before, but he really put his Jim Lee aesthetic on it yeah so oh, like you, the, the pouches too the pouches, they, were like, they yeah. weren't like just like the they weren't the little capsules on the belt yeah yeah they were actual pouches, pouches. physical pouches that look like they could carry shit yeah, yeah i never understood the capsules idea this isn't dragon ball you know uh comics are weird comics goofy. are goofy goofy comics are, goofy. are you all ready to dive into the story yeah sure all right so uh, the, issue, the first issue opens up. We have uh, Batman rescuing a boy that's kidnapped by Killer Croc, which is really out of out his, of character. Out of character. character. Yeah. And that's going to be a recurring theme mm-hmm. going forward. There's a lot of characters oh, acting out of character. That's right. And so uh, as Batman is uh, swinging through um, in pursuit of uh, Catwoman, because Catwoman is the one that steals the ransom money for the boy, mm-hmm. one of Batman's wires gets cut. And if you know Batman, that's not something that should happen. His, his wires are uh, comic book wires where they're super indestructible. They're super strong, yeah. yeah and they're, they're almost adamantium level cables. And you'd have to almost have an in to know what they are to know what can be used. How does it get cut? Does it does it show like anything cutting it or just does it just show the wire snap? I think it just shows the wire snap. Mm. Do you remember? Mm, it's been remember. 20 years. Damn. Oh. I don't remember. I just like... Yeah. No, I and this is a book like... Uh, All-Star Superman that I do want to get uh, the deluxe edition for. I just can't find the motivation to go. <laughs> like, like with All-Star Superman, it's like I need it immediately. Yeah. Like Kingdom Come, I need it immediately. So this isn't it then? So, yeah, maybe this isn't it. This is a good one. It's a good it's one. Probably not yeah. that one. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, getting back to the story, whenever Batman's wire's cut, he's high in the sky. Right. And whenever he falls, he falls in Crime Alley and he injures his head pretty bad. And so he's about to get, like, sworn by these group of criminals. Uh, and that's whenever uh, it's uh, Huntress uh, that comes in on her motorcycle and saves him and gets him over to Alfred. Um, and uh, it's, 
Bruce calls in for uh, his childhood friend, Thomas Elliot. He tells Alfred, I think that's the, the first. Uh, this is the words. first instance that we've known of Bruce's childhood friend, Tommy Elliot. His best friend. Yeah. And uh, Thomas. His best friend. Never going to mention him. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Thomas Ed- El- Edison. God. Thomas Elliot. Thomas Elliot. World renowned. Brain surgeon. Brain surgeon. That's right. right. So Bruce hits his head. He's going to call his best friend, who's the world's best brain surgeon. This is, this is uh, if you ever watch like Law and Order. And they have the guest, the special oh, guest star. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is that. This is that moment. <laughs> John Stamos walks in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, we uh, we have uh, we enter Doctor Thomas Elliot, and mm-hmm. he's able to remove all of the the skull fragments from Bruce's brain. Hey, that's what happened to me. It's tight. Um, and uh, after Batman recovers, yeah, he discovers that Poison Ivy is the one that used Catwoman to steal the ransom before <laughs> taking the uh, uh, sorry before taking the money, um, and so. Catwoman is really pissed off that uh, Poison Ivy had used the mind control powers on her because they're supposed to be buddy-buddy. And again, Poison Ivy being out of character, going against her friend. Um, and so what ends up happening is that uh, Batman uh, eventually decides to trust Catwoman and reveals his identity to her. Mm. And he is talk- he talked to Nightwing beforehand, and Nightwing is like giving him the blessing. He's like, yeah, you know, all of the relationships you've had before have always faltered because you're trying to live this dual life. Tell yeah. Her, tell her the yeah. truth. You ever see uh, the, the, the Batman uh, comic, uh, the demon's head when they introduce Raz al Ghul and Talia al Ghul, he's like shirtless. Oh yeah. But, but he's got, got his, his mask, mask on. on. Yeah, I've nice. seen that picture. Yeah. I know where it was from. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Adams did, did the, that. It's yeah. the cover you're thinking of where he's like, Laid out in his chest. He's got a hairy chest. <laughs> Batman in a hairy chest. Like Talia goes like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the mask on. Oh, like, I wonder if there's like a TMZ in the DC universe. It's like trying to get all these like candid shots. Uh, what's her name? Ah, oh, shit. She works with Lois Lane. She's like the entertainment reporter. Cat Grant. Oh, okay. oh tight. That's her. Who were you about to say? Cat Grant from the, I remember her from this uh, Supergirl yeah. show. Cat Grant. Uh. Back to the story. Um, Batman reveals his identity to Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, uh, uh, Killer Croc is uh, kind of uh, it's kind of like devolving almost. It's like getting really aggressive and he escapes from Arkham Asylum. Oh, that was a shift that Jim Lee introduced. He made Killer Croc more animalistic. Oh, because right, yeah. up until that point, he even in the Batman animated series, uh, Killer Croc still had more of a human yeah, type physique. figure. And this mm-hmm. one, he's... Very, very animal style and like a, an elongated mouth and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, as he escapes, uh, Batman uh, can track him. And so he uh, uh, is led to one of Poison Ivy's uh, greenhouses, like mm-hmm. one of her like, little hideaways. Um, and before uh, he is able to interrogate Killer Croc, uh, he gets captured. Um, next issue, we have uh, Batman and Catwoman. Uh, track Poison Ivy to Metropolis, and whenever they're there, they find Ivy is taking control of Superman via uh, kryptonite uh, lipstick, and she kissed him in mind control because right. that's how it works. And so, well, that was always a, a trope in the comics that Poison Ivy would kiss somebody, and she yeah. had the chemicals, like the pheromones, or something, the chemicals on her lipstick. Yeah, that she would be able to uh, do mind control on them. Did she? Did she have green skin in this one in this series? Or I think so. Just, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah. The only thing I don't I didn't agree with is that I don't think this should work on Kryptonians. 
Like she, she would have to know Kryptonian DNA to, That's to make it work. why she uses the kryptonite to weaken his power set. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was right there, but whatever, Joey. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the bat. Sorry, we have Superman being controlled by Poison Ivy. Right. Um, and so uh, she commands Batman. Sorry, she commands Superman to kill Batman, of course. Right. Um, and so uh, what ends up happening is. Uh, he uh, sees that super sorry Batman sees that Superman is like subconsciously resisting uh, her influence, um, and so he's uh, holding back his attempts uh, to kill him. So he's, he can tell that Batman is like uh, sorry that Superman is uh, is pulling his punches as best he can. Uh, so Batman's like throwing everything he can, batarangs, flashbangs, um, and so he ends up using a kryptonite ring uh, to just like haymaker Bat- uh, Superman and just brute force punch him. Which I always love whenever Batman gets that even couple of seconds with Superman. I always love just seeing him just like, go in on him. I, I don't know why. I just, it, it's tight to me. I love that underdog character that just shouldn't be involved with stuff like that. And that makes me, cut to a little side tangent, makes me curious like how we're going to start like whenever we get into our characters like that. Like whenever I read stuff like this, it makes me kind of wonder how I'm going to be able to write a character that doesn't have powers that can go up against a character that has powers. You know, just something cool. I love, I love that part of it. Um, so anyway, Getting back to it, uh, Superman uh, is uh, where where to go? I'm so sorry. So he's using the ring to punch the shit out of Superman. Uh, Batman stalls Superman long enough, um, and uh, what ends up happening is that Catwoman uh, pushes Lois Lane, I think, or she lets her fall. She doesn't save her, which snaps Superman out of the that's right control. And know. so Lois Lane is falling, and that's what gets Superman back to his. His super senses. Super senses. Hey. Um, and that super boner. Oh. Yeah. Oh. oh. Uh, don't know how to reply to that. Um, following back, uh, Ivy. Uh, sorry. Joey just has a mediocre Bro, you, boner. You just <laughs> <got> me. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so uh, later, I think it's uh, the next issue we pick up uh, in Gotham City. Uh, we have. Uh, we have uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, there's uh, uh, Catwoman, but she's in, in she's Selena Kyle. Right. And this one is interesting because Bruce Wayne is with Selena Kyle. Bruce Wayne knows that Selena Kyle is Catwoman. Catwoman doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm following you. Because I thought that he had already revealed. He has not revealed yet. No, that's right. He hasn't yet. Right. He's he, Sorry. But earlier, whenever I said that he reveals identity... He uh, planned on he, revealing, yeah, he and he got the blessing too. from Nightwing. There you go. That, so that's going the, forward, he hasn't revealed yet, but he's about to. That's right. Uh, and so they're uh, they're all uh, here. Oh, and also uh, Dr. Thomas Elliot is there. And so uh, they're attending uh, an opera, uh, and that's whenever Harley Quinn shows up and tries to rob the theater. And Harley Quinn is probably the only one in this story that acts the way they should. There's, like, no ulterior motive for her. She's just being that Harley Quinn. Psycho. Yeah, she's just with the Joker in this one. Because the Joker is the one that gets set up in this in this little part. Because uh, what ends up happening is that um, Thomas Elliot is supposedly shot by the Joker. You see the Joker with the smoking gun, and then you see mm-hmm. Thomas Elliot that got shot. And so that uh, that's Bruce's best friend. Right. He lost his parents to a gunshot. That now he lost his best friend. His best friend that we've never seen before. That's okay. <laughs> we met him three episodes, three issues three ago. Issues He's important. Ago. 
so when and, by the jo- and by the Joker, no less. Yeah. You know? So uh, what ends up happening? Yeah. I mean that. So this this just drives Bruce over the edge, and so uh, like as as kind of hell is kind of breaking loose, you know, they're all looking looking around, and Selena's like, "Where's where's Bruce?" And she sees that he's running away. He's like, "Man," or something like that. And then so then out of nowhere, Batman pops in and. And he's just beating the shit out I of Joker. I love the way Joey just said, Batman. He sounded like a like a kid. Yeah. Super excited. <laughs> it's Batman. Yeah. And so, but anyway, he's beating the shit out of out of the Joker. Uh, the Joker like, it is brutal. Right. Like he is not letting go. Like uh, I think I think Selena gets in her Catwoman guys and she's like, like, you need to stop. This isn't right. Yeah. And I think Jim Gordon pulls in and he puts a gun to Batman. He aims it and he's like, You need to stop. Damn. You know? Um, and uh it gets it gets really like you don't know what's about to happen. Like, is he really going to kill a joke? No, obviously not. But it's you don't get to see Batman let loose like that often, or at least whenever this issue came out, this storyline came out, right. you didn't. So already we've seen um, Nightwing, uh, Huntress, Harley Quinn, the Joker, Killer Croc, Catwoman, you know, Probably Alfred somewhere, Tommy Elliot, a reference to Batman's parents. I'm telling you, Jeff Loeb is hitting all the like classic beats mm-hmm. in this story. Yep. There's a confrontation, Superman, Poison Ivy. We, there's a confrontation between Batman and Superman. Uh, there's mind control. Uh, there's a heist. You know, there. So he's literally fitting like all those like Silver Age DC yeah. stories into like one issue or like a yeah into one story. Yeah, one story. Yeah, it's really cool. That would make up, you know, like. A whole run or something. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool because it's not muddy. You know, right. everything everything right. works really well off of each other. Yeah. Um, so what ends up happening uh, when after the confrontation with Jim Gordon and Batman? Because Jim Gordon shoots off one of Batman's uh, his ears yeah, off his, his little, little cow, yeah. and so um, Dick Grayson returns to uh, Gotham for the funeral of Thomas Elliot, um, and Batman is telling him uh, his suspicions of about a uh, you know someone being behind all of these uh, his rogue gallery uh, acting out of character, and so. This is whenever we start to see the bandage man and the bandage man is kind of just this. He, if you look up Batman hush online, he's the, the cover with the, the, the mummy looking guy. He looks like a negative man from the doom patrol. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And uh, so the, this bandage man um, is, is kind of like seen as like this mastermind and right. uh, he's uh, pulling the strings pulling and the strings. got all these people working together. So uh, after, uh, so we, then we kind of cut to another issue. Uh, we have uh, Nightwing and Batman who's foiling a robbery uh, by the Riddler. Um, and uh, they discover evidence that uh, Ra's al Ghul is also involved somehow. It's because there is dust uh, from the Lazarus pit on, uh, damn it, um, on, the, on the Batmobile? Sure. I can't remember. There's dust. There's oh, there's Lazarus. There's Lazarus dust. pit dust. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's uh, clearly a clue that the demon's head is involved. Right. That's tight. So uh, what ends up happening? He becomes to thinking that Ra's al Ghul. Uh, Batman thinks that Ra's al Ghul is the one uh, pulling kind the of strings. Pulling right. the strings. Yeah. Uh, so because Bat- in the past he's been a mastermind. He runs the the League of Assassins. Mm-hmm. So League of Shadows, League of Assassins. And so. speaking of, Batman kidnaps Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia, mm-hmm. uh, and he has Catwoman guard her while he seeks out uh, Ra's al Ghul. Um, and uh, he, uh, he's telling him that uh, someone from the past has used the Lazarus Pits. And for those of y'all that aren't familiar mm-hmm. with the Lazarus Pits, they resurrect you. They can uh, bring you back from the dead. They can heal your injuries. 
Uh, it's what Ra's al Ghul uses to stay, stay young. young. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think we've ever seen it in any kind of media, but it's it's in almost all the books. Yeah. It's in, it's in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Well, yeah. And um, then the Red Hood movie. Yeah. Wow. Under the Red Hood. Go back under my rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Um, so what ends up happening is a uh, Catwoman uh, is overpowered by Lady Shiva, who is a member of the League of Assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, she's been sent to rescue Talia, uh, but Talia knocks out Shiva to help Catwoman. Um, and it's like this kind of whole like you know, double because crossing. she's helping her beloved. Hey. <laughs> Awkward. So, so before we continue, is that a thing that that's true to her character? That Talia Agul's character is that she's kind of loyal to Batman despite what's going on around them. Kind of. Okay. Uh, she because she believes that they are to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's he's the only person worthy of her love and affection, and. Her father's approval, and her, you know, because even the demons had, or Ra's al Ghul, has stated many times that the detective, which he uses to refer to Batman, mm-hmm. as the only one capable of le- taking his stead mm-hmm. when he moves on. So, so we have uh, coming in after that. We have uh, Batman uh, finds Catwoman being attacked by the Huntress, who's kind of like she's kind of not in her right mind. She's being delusional. Uh, not in the same way of uh, being controlled by poison ivy, but more frantic, more paranoid. Uh, and that's whenever Batman is able to knock her out. Uh, and he finds out that uh, the scarecrow is the one that was behind her uh, her uh, madness. Right. Insanity. Um, her fear. Her fear. There you go. Uh, and so uh, he uh, finds him in a graveyard and he overpowers him. And so he discovers that uh, the current Robin, uh, Tim Drake at that time, uh, was captured by the former second Robin, Jason Todd, who is supposed to be dead right now. Now, this is before Under the Red Hood. So whenever it was... His stop. death in the family. I mean, just stop, because you're yeah. you're jumping too far ahead. Yeah. Sorry. You don't need to say all of that. We're, we're talking about Batman Hush. Mm-hmm. Focus on Batman Hush. My bad. So it's, it's Jason Todd. It's Jason Todd, and there's something that... Bruce figures out is that this Jason Todd doesn't call him Bruce. And that's enough for Batman to know this isn't Jason Todd. Right. And so we it's find a figure that looks like Jason Todd. And am I misremembering, but does this Jason Todd appear with bandages mm-hmm. and then removes the yeah, bandages right. yeah, 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 to yeah. reveal? Yep. It's Jason Todd. Yeah. So, the, so now we think the bandaged man is, has been Jason yep. Todd this whole time, mm-hmm. manipulating all of Bruce's rogues gallery against him. And that one slip up of him referring to him as Batman instead of Bruce is enough to let Bruce know that this isn't Jason Todd. And that's never we find out that after Batman defeats this Jason Todd, that it's actually Clayface. What? Clayface mimicked the identity of Jason Todd, but there is no way that Clayface could be the mastermind of all this. Yeah, Clayface is a no, brute. no, 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 no. He's so a dude. He's, a, he's, he's an a, actor. You give him yeah. a script and let him go. Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, you, he had to be a good actor. Do you not? We just imagine if Clayface was a bad actor. This this issue would be over real quick. <laughs> I don't know. Nick Cage is alive. 
and he's got a movie coming out. And he's got lots of movies coming out. About him. Have you seen Face Off? I have not. It's possibly an American classic, (laughs) if not global. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, in the next issue, we find out, this is where we kind of cut to the Bat computers and we get to learn a little bit about that history, which is really cool. Uh, Batman finds out that there's a device that's been planted in his supercomputer. And uh, there's only one way that could have happened, and that's from his old friend, uh, Harold. And Harold is this guy that's uh, his mechanic that helped, uh, that he brought in whenever he originally became Batman to help him, you know, do all the Harold, things. Uh, I think Harold has like autism or something. He's on the spectrum, mm-hmm. but he's me- a mechanical genius. He actually helps Batman develop each and every Batmobile. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. But there, I forgot what it was because they they fix him here. He's, yeah. he's fixed, and yeah. that's what, and that's why he betrays or he betrayed Bruce is because somebody came up to him and offered him, if you do this for me, I will, we'll I will fix you. you. Yeah. And so uh, Bruce is surprised, like you can speak, you know, like it's it's like this big deal. Um, and so uh, we we before he can even say, like Batman's about to get. The uh, the truth. Sorry, Bruce is about to get the ident- the the truth about you know who uh, who hired him to do this and all that. And he shot uh, Harold, shot and killed. Um, and then uh, we find out it's the bandage man, like the the guy with the right. bandage. So uh, Hush is the one that did it. Um, and then we find out that Thomas Elliot is actually the one that was behind the trigger on that one. And so Thomas Elliot is the one that fixed the guy. Thomas Elliot is the one that had him put this. Uh, uh, this uh, this chip inside of Batman's computer to spy on him, um, and so now we're thinking Thomas Elliot is the one that's behind all this. We're thinking that Thomas Elliot is the mastermind, but he's dead. Remember? Yeah, he's dead. You told us he died. What? How does he come back, Joey? He never died in the first place. I don't know. You're telling the story. Whoa. Y'all just got me, man. So anyway, <laughs> I all right. So it was probably Clayface yeah. pretending to be Tommy Elliot getting shot because Clayface can't die from bullets. Yeah, my okay. I was Jesus. not thinking about that at all. You do this part, man. Then damn. I know it's your story. <laughs> it's not mine. It's you read it. You read it recently. We're talking about it. I'm filling. I'm trying to fill in the gaps as best as I can. I'm trying to act brand new. That's my role here. Yeah, no, have, and you're doing a hell of a job. <laughs> hell of a God job. damn it, man. All right, so yeah, Clayface is the one that was mimicking Elliot whenever he got killed. Yeah. Killed, quote unquote. Right. Uh, and so uh, Elliot held a grudge against, and this is stupid. I, this is the only part that I did not like about this whole book was mm-hmm. the, the motivation of Thomas Elliot about being against Bruce. So Thomas Elliot's backstory, his parents were in a car crash and uh, Bruce was, uh, Thomas Wayne was a surgeon. And so, you know, Bruce is trying to console his friend saying, oh, my dad's the best surgeon. He can, he's going to save your parents, blah, 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 blah. And he only saves his mom and Thomas Elliot's dad dies, which means that his inheritance went to his mom and not his dad. And that's the reason why Thomas Elliot was super upset and super pissed off about Bruce. No, his inheritance went to his mom and not to Thomas Elliot. Yeah. You said his dad. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. His dad's inheritance went to his mom instead of Thomas Elliot. Instead of him. That's right. And that's what, that's the whole so driving he has force resentment. Yeah. Of, of why, because he, he ruined his life and he still became the world's best surgeon. Well, he had to work at it. He didn't have money to just lay about and be a, a philanthropist, a playboy extraordinaire. Like what Bruce seemed to be. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, wow, Joey. Damn, I didn't know. Well, Joey does not make connections well, guys. He's. <laughs> I uh, I got some work to do, man. Um, because well, like I I read this one in in one sitting all ago, and I I need to give these stories more respect and more attention whenever we we dive into them. Um, so I'm sorry for. Uh, the little mishaps on this one, but it's no, no, all right. It's We're moving forward. Uh, so after we find out why Thomas Elliot is so upset because he didn't get his Playboy riches and shit like that, and he had to work for it, we uh, we find out that um, the uh, Harvey Dent comes into play, and he's been kind of helping Jim Gordon in the background, saying that we need to help the Batman, right? What's really cool about this is that he's no longer Two-Face. Mm-hmm. Harvey Dent is fixed. He has his face fixed. From who? Thomas Elliot. Uh, and so we end up uh, finding that, um, you know, uh, with the reborn Harvey Dent, he's shot by, uh, sorry, Harvey shoots Thomas Elliot. So he kills him. And so he plummets in the water. Uh, and uh, Batman uh, doesn't really get the idea. Uh, he doesn't get a chance to uh, uh, unmask, uh, you know, who it is. Um Fuck, I, I lost myself. I just lost myself, man. Anyways, we might ha- so this hush story is Tommy Elliot pulling the strings of all the villains in an attempt to dismantle Bruce's life that he feels he should have had. Um, he becomes <laughs> a supervillain hush uh, to thwart the Batman because he's essentially the opposite of Batman. The Batman always has these plans to go up and... and conquer anything hush essentially comes up with the opposite plan to conquer the batman um it all kind of falls apart when things things start to unravel because that's that's just the nature of of comic book villainy uh part of the unraveling also has to do with the riddler who is also in the background working with the gcpd he has turned his life around sort of um, as a like a uh, crime pathologist or something, he like looks for clues and you know he helps them f- solve uh, crimes and riddles and everything because that's his thing. Well, towards the end of the book, the Riddler has solved the ultimate riddle: Who is Batman? While everything else is going on around Batman's life with Hush and all the villainy and everything like that, the Riddler has been paying attention. And he's able to put everything together because that's what he does. And he figures out that Batman is Bruce Wayne. What? And he confronts Bruce Wayne about it. He confronts Batman, but he lets him know. He's like, I know who you are, you know, Bruce. But he doesn't want to tell anybody because then that would ruin the ultimate riddle. If everyone knows, it's no longer a riddle. It's just common knowledge. And he's torn up about it. You know? Like, I hold I hold potentially the greatest secret in the world, and I can't tell anyone. 
I love that part. Yeah, that was a great part. That was a really good part. That was a good twist. Um, I liked I liked the intro of Jason Todd because uh, it was very unexpected. He was one of the characters at the time that was dead and remained dead. Mm-hmm. Him, Bucky, the Winter Soldier over in Marvel, and mm-hmm. Uncle Ben. They were like the, the triumvirate of dead characters to never come back. Because he was going on tw- almost 20 years, wasn't he? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, And uh, I think we, we kind of had a little bit of a talk with it in the chat. Uh, this kind of maybe... Like, Soften the idea of Jason Todd returning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, full spectrum in the right. DC universe. Removed. I think I think it uh, allowed uh, DC to gauge the interest from fandom mm, at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You know, you let enough time pass between the shitty version of the character and reintroducing him as a pseudo villain. You're like, oh, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, do you like it? Do you like the book? Yeah. All right. There it was it was like I said it was a long one. Uh, I didn't like the the motivation behind Thomas Elliot, but that's nitpicky. You know, that's that's good happen. That's me having to really dive into anything that I didn't like about it. Let's go to break. You got it. All right. Welcome back to Longbox Podcast. This segment is brought to you by Skate Waco. Thank you, Skate Waco, for being a sponsor for today's episode. With two facilities serving Skate Waco sports and entertainment communities for over 30 years, Skate Waco continues to be a pillar in building memories for Waco families. From birthday parties to weddings and quinceañeras, Skate Waco is ready to be your facility to facilitate fun. Nice. Hey. Yeah. So, uh, closing thoughts on, on Batman Hush. I, I loved it when it came out. Um... You know what? Revisiting it today, I think, I think I am gonna go buy it. I think I'm, I'm gonna go buy the absolute edition so I can have it. You know, I I need to flip through it again. Uh, I have all twelve issues, but they are put away in a box in storage, so I don't feel like digging through those. You I have should, like an actual storage unit for your comics? Uh, it's called my mom's spare hey. bedroom. Hey. <laughs> Tight, temperature controlled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm not putting that shit out in the garage. Are you crazy? Heck yeah. Mondo, what about you, man? Like Danny said, man, it was a really good book. Um, I think it did get kind of not not overlooked in the sense as a comic because everybody bought it. It was a great story. Yeah. But definitely want to go back and reread it because at the time, too, you know, that was a time where they started doing a lot of like comics started becoming popular. So they started doing like actual like merch everywhere. Like I remember seeing that the work like the Batman work, the Joker work on like backpacks. Yeah. And, like, you know, messenger bags and cups and you know, workout bottles. Everywhere. It was more than just posters. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Cause even they had the, the Jim Lee heroes yeah. and the Jim Lee villains. Yeah. Like you could buy the two posters. I think they, they had variants of those and everything, man, it was so, crazy. So it was like, it was a good story, but also you were like, Oh, I want to like, is this the new way that comics are going where you can walk into a target and get, you know, your favorite t-shirt, get a t-shirt. Yeah. With Jim Lee's. Yeah. Working. And so, and that's the that exact direction it went. So going back and rereading it is definitely something too. I know I have like single issues of it and stuff. So for it, sure for me on this one, this one is a really cool story to dive into Batman. If you've never run a full series of Batman, I these do. 12 issues, uh, they hit on the history. They hit on the, the classic tropes. Uh, you see a lot of the rogues gallery. Uh, everybody gets a good moment to shine. Uh, there are some really cool interactions with all the characters, especially with Batman, how he interacts with, you see how he interacts with Jim Gordon, how he interacts with Catwoman, um, how he interacts with the Joker on this one. There's just a lot of cool aspects that you can kind of, uh, you don't really have to know a lot of outside things to read and enjoy this story right here. It, it's a good long form Batman story. I just thought like that, the long Halloween, um, uh, Dark Victory, 
those are good long form Batman stories. Uh, usually Batman stories are four to five issues. I think the only other ones might be like Nightfall, which is kind of lackluster. Yeah. Um, all those where they introduced Bane that carried on for so many years. It just got it just got to be a trudge at, mm-hmm. at, a, at a certain mm-hmm. moment. Like, ugh. It felt like a whole different book. Yeah, that yeah, sucks, man. This one was good. The pacing was good. Um, it was it was really cool. Go pick it up or find it online. Uh, don't watch the movie if you really want to get this the the comic story of it because it was not a to good get a adaptation. to get a better fuller story. Read the books. That's right. Uh, the movie chopped it up so badly mm-hmm. and. Because they're trying to fit twelve issues into seventy minutes. Mm-hmm. So. It's disappointing because some, like most of the time, DC knocks it out of the park with their animated films. Yeah, they usually do. Yeah, but but uh, let's we got to get this episode closed out. Uh, do you have any sh- closing shout outs? Shout out to my wife. Hey. Um, shout out to uh, Rogue Media here for always letting us come in and, and talk about comics. Shout out to everybody at Latino Comic Con that came out. That was a lot of fun. Really exciting. Really inspiring. Thanks. Uh, shout out my wife as well. Um, she's at home waiting on dinner already. I put a pot roast in the oven before hey. I got here. So, oh, nice. you know, that that cr- cool breeze hit and she was already. Are you making anything? Are you making soup, uh, chicken and dumplings, maybe a pot roast or something? Whatever you feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 let me decide for you. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, shout out to my wife. Uh, she's been awesome. She's hard at work right now getting her earrings done. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife is the one behind, De La Nina de Co, uh, and she's getting a plethora of these sugar skull earrings ready to wow. go. Wow. Yeah. Talk uh, about nepotism. You're over here plugging her twice. Hey, mm. hey, hey, the LaSalle shop. <laughs> Dance, wake up. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, thank you for everything. Uh, over at the Texas Latino Comic Con, it was a really inspiring. Thank you for all the, the folks that showed up uh, and also all the vendors out there that stopped by the booth and, and talked and everything. It was, it was a really cool, uh, cool way to meet everybody and to interact with the other creative community here in Texas. So thank you guys to the Texas Latino Comic Con. Thank you guys for listening to Longbox Podcast. We'll see you next time. Later. Peace. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and tune in every other week to see what we have to say. Um, you can find us on social media. You can find Joey at Joey Gonzalez. Um, you can find me at Armando Ramirez underscore art. And you can find Danny at Imaginary Heroics. And you can find Plus Waco Comics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Plus Waco Comics. Excelsior. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> a couple of them in there. Curse you, Richards. I don't know. <laughs>